Welcome on in, everyone, to another episode of Side of the Storm. My name is Evan Westling, and as always, I am joined uh, by my co-host, Mr. Brandon S., as today um, is the start of the best part of the year. March Madness is underway. Obviously, the conference tournaments are kind of the beginning of that, and it starts to feel uh, – you feel really amped up, and I can – I'll talk about that more when we get to – um, when we talk about the conference tournaments, because obviously I was there in Kansas City. Um, but yeah, March Madness is certainly one of the best times of the year. Um, before we go ahead and dive into everything, um, how are you doing tonight, Brandon? Doing pretty good. I think this weekend <laughs> went about as well as it could have, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Really didn't know with matchups and everything how it was going to go. And honestly, both the men and women did fairly well, I would say, at least yeah. expectations wise. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, so we're going to go ahead and do talk about both the conference tournaments, men and women, and then we'll get into the brackets for both the men and women for the NCAA tournament. So we're going to go ahead and start off with the women. Obviously, today they went and um, beat Texas 61-51 in the Big 12 championship game. It was weirdly like effortlessly by the time we got to the fourth quarter. Um, they had an incredible third quarter, or really Ashton Jones had an incredible third quarter, and it wasn't too hard after that. I think they got up as much as 15, I want to say. Um, but, yeah, obviously not a shocker who their leading scorer was. Um, Ashley Jones had 28 in their opening in the quarter. She had 30, and I think they said against Oklahoma she had 22. And then um, the other big performance – Big performances of the week. I know Donarski had 20 against Oklahoma and Dew had 19. So, um, I mean, Jones and this team got the ring that they have more than deserved um, for a while now. Yeah, for sure. I think this is the first year you can really go out there and you're not just completely mismatched with a team like Texas who has bigs, which they did get a lot of offensive rebounds. But I think at the same time, you were at least in the game and you weren't completely outmatched down low, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then I think, I think for them, it's really just, I think do is the X factor, honestly. If she gets a lot of points or if she's affecting things defensively, I think they're a much better team. Yeah. And I mean, credit to Kane and Zingaro um, down low. Um, I wasn't able to watch a whole lot of the Baylor game because I was still in the arena, in the arena, uh, T-Mobile Center watching the TCU Texas game, but um, I know certainly in today's matchup, I thought those two did um, pretty good down low. Um, and again, you're talking about a team that lost Suarez, and that was kind of the girl that everyone was like, "Okay, this is this is what's going to take her take the team over over the top and get them over that hump." Um, and they had to learn to play with her, and then they had to learn to play without her again. And just credit to you know the girls rallying and figuring that out. And overall, it was it's been one of Finley's best coaching jobs of his career. For sure, it's just how the amount of adaptation they've had to have this year, just playing with and without a six-six post that you've never had in all of these players' four years. I mean, you got two starters that are seniors. Two of them are fifth-year seniors out of the five, and it's it's hard to adapt at that point in your career. You think you know what you're doing. You know how to play with your teammates at this point. As we've mentioned a couple times in the past, the women's game is a lot like the men's game was five, ten years ago, where you don't really have these transfers and a bunch of one-year contracts. It's a lot of these four-year players. So when you have injuries like that, I think it affects the women more than the men in that aspect. No, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, And I I feel like it just kind of – I just think it's really cool to say that, you know, 
Iowa State went and beat Baylor, Oklahoma, and Texas. I mean, those those three teams in three straight days is super impressive. And like I said, Ashley, obviously more than deserving, finally getting a championship. But same goes for Emily Ryan, Lexi Donarski, um, Morgan Kane. Um, I think, like, those four are kind of the big ones. Um, so that, I think that's – it's just good to see that they finally got it. Obviously, Ashley Jones was the most outstanding player of – the tournament um, and the championship game. So no shocker there, but uh, huge congrats to the women. Yeah, for sure. I think even after they won this Texas game today, you could just see it was almost relief on their face more than pure joy just because they haven't really had a chance to win the regular season or the conference championship in their time there. And they've been probably the most successful group of Cyclones in the history of that program. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and you're talking about the best player in Cyclone history finally getting, you know, their their championship. So she was so good the last two games. <laughs> I mean, she's not as flashy as a Caitlin Clark, but the way she can take people one on one and draw fouls is something that's not going to get you on Sports Center necessarily, but it's almost more efficient. I mean, just the amount of time she'll just back someone down for like 10 seconds on the shot clock and either get a bucket or draw a foul. I mean, the amount of times that, that she did that today was just ridiculous. Yeah, and I think they said in the Baylor game, actually, she draws close to seven fouls a game, which is just insane. Yeah, and that's not counting the time she doesn't get called for fouls, which she does kind of get hacked a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I think some of that is she kind of has to play the center position a lot for Iowa State. So at that point, you're going against a lot of six three six four girls and that's going to be kind of hard to go up against especially when you're not super strong like teams like texas and baylor have been in the past yeah no i I definitely agree but overall um really awesome to see them um win it um super super cool and another quick thing before we go ahead and get to the guys side um i think it's without a doubt that the state of iowa has the best um women's college basketball Obviously, Iowa, Iowa State, and Drake all making the tournament. Um, so, congrats to all three of those schools. Yeah, both or all three of those made it in men and women's basketball. So, I don't know what's up with all sad. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't know what's going on with you and I up there. They need to pick it up a little bit. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but we'll go ahead and jump on over to the men's side. Um, so we'll probably talk more about. I don't know. I mean, we'll just we'll just talk, but um, we'll start off with the Baylor game. Obviously, Iowa State gets the three-game season sweep of the Baylor Bears. Super impressive. Um, I'm sitting here saying that it's really hard to beat a team three times, and I totally still believe in that. Um, but Iowa State, you know, got it done. Um, and it was an incredible day from Gabe Kalsher um, and Jaron Holmes. Um, but I think that, you know, I think that you talk about that in terms of the point totalage, um, with Gabe having 24 and Jaron having 17, but somehow, some way the, the freshman won't get talked about Tame and Lipsy having a career night, um, or day, I should say 13 points, 11 boards, five assists, five steals. Um, that was just incredible. Uh, I, it was just an overall really good game. They weathered the storm of, freaking Jalen Bridges 28 points missing one shot going seven of eight from three saw some stupid stat where he hit like 17 percent of his season three pointers in that game alone um and you even had Flagler drilling a shot from the logo so it it was just awesome job from Iowa State to rally 
Um, they're down eight. I think it was like right after the first timeout, media timeout in the second half. But it was a heck of a performance from 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 the Cyclones. Yeah, for sure. I'd just like to say right now, I made some comments back in February calling Baylor the only team in the Big 12 that can win a national championship and officially retracting that statement. (laughs) They can't play an ounce of defense or rebound. The rebounding in this game was 44 to 17. Iowa State had more offensive rebounds than they did total. And I think it was we out-rebounded them 30 to 5 in the second half. I'm pretty sure I saw that. Yeah, and it's just not like a Scott Drew coach team at all. So I'm kind of concerned about them going into the tournament. But nonetheless, a really great win for Iowa State here. It was really just another one of those games that we saw the last game of the regular season against Baylor where it's just completely team-oriented basketball and everybody's kind of sharing the load. So even these um, individual box scores, it doesn't really tell the whole story because obviously a guy like Trey King wasn't creating his own shot for his 10 points. He was getting a lot of open looks under the rim. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think that speaks to the ball movement. I mean, there was one time where it was up in transition, and Rob had, like, three guys on him, and he throws it behind him, and it's Trey wide open for the slam, and I remember me and my dad and really everyone in my section at that game were like, no, when Rob just, like, throws it behind him. Um, (laughs) But overall, I mean, I think that just speaks – it was another really good day of ball movement. It was super similar to the game in Waco, and Iowa State wins by six. That's kind of – that was closer than it really was from how, how Iowa State dominated in that second half. And, like, I know, you know, like, Bridges scored 28, but, you know, I would just say, like, like that's going to be the best game of basketball he plays his entire life. So if he doesn't, like, do that, Iowa State wins this by double digits handily again. So, yeah, it was just really impressive. Yeah, for sure. I think the team basically said they're going to choose a guy to beat us, and if Jalen Bridges puts up 35 and they win the game. It kind of is what it is. Tip your cap to him. And he looked like he was going to do that for a while and didn't shoot for the last 10 minutes of the game. So I think that's kind of where I see problems with Baylor going forward is they have a lot of ball dominant guards and it's just if the hot guy can get the ball at the right time and they really didn't give him to it to him late in the game. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but we'll go ahead and move on to the semifinal matchup uh, where Iowa State played Kansas, lost that one 71-58. Um, kind of disappointing uh, in a sense. Like you obviously, you know, you just like once you get there, you, you want to keep going after you win one. Um, but to be honest, it it's not really a bad thing. And I get that Iowa State lost by 13. But again, that's also inflated by Iowa State um, fouling at the end and – yeah, so I it was closer than what the bot with the score kind of says, um, but I mean, uh, like honestly, again, I get that they scored seventy one, but as I just mentioned, it was like really inflated at the end. Jalen Wilson had his twenty five, Grady Dick had fifteen, Dewan Harris had eleven, KJ Adams with eight, um, but a lot of that was near the end. Um, for Iowa State, Jaron had sixteen, Burton had eleven, um, Gabe and Shun both had eight. Um, the big thing. Um, the two things I would say from this game, and we don't have to go super in depth, but just like obviously to quickly touch on it. Um, the difference was Iowa State turning over 22 times, which I don't care what team you're playing. That's ridiculous. I mean, props to them. They turned over Kansas 17 times, um, but you can't turn it over 22 times. Um, and then really the difference is also Dewan Harris, you know, shut down Gabe. And the difference, you know, Gabe puts up 24 in the quarters, 
I'm not saying he would completely go 24, but if he gets 20, right, that's 12 more. Iowa State would lose by one. So, you know, the difference was Kansas took away Gabe, and Iowa State made Kansas's life pretty easy, but considering all the other turnovers that Iowa State committed. Yeah, for sure. I think Dewan Harris kind of proved to me, at least, I thought they got that Defensive Player of the Year award wrong, but proved me wrong here. He completely shut down Gabe Kalsher. And that's not an easy thing to do. I think you saw Kalsher get a little um, frustrated with the defense and started forcing things late in the game, which is where it kind of expanded to this 13-point win. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not – I actually came out of this game more um, motivated than I was out of these last two Baylor games just because that's the same opponent. So beating them twice isn't the same as going and beating them in K-State, for example, in the Big 12 tournament. But you hung with Kansas. They really just beat you by eight points-ish. Yeah. Without the free throws and all of that at the end of the game. And honestly, Kansas is just the better team at this point. They have more guys that can score. And they had a way better defensive presence than I thought they would. They really picked it up in the second half. And they were even without McCuller for most of the game. So I thought I was really impressed with Kansas coming out of that. Yeah, no, I'm, I I definitely agree. Uh, there's not, like, anything that made me feel worse about this team by any means. I think, you know, the big things I've seen are, like, takeaways from Kansas City for me personally. Um, they have their swagger back um, that you can tell that they're confident. Um, the two stars are back. Gabe and Jaron are both having great games. Again, I guess, I guess like, I mean, I, I understand Gabe had eight versus Kansas, but as Brandon noted, that is – Kansas is the best team in the Big 12 – regardless of them losing by 20 to Texas, I still believe they're the best and um, they're one of the best in the country Um, have more than an opportunity to win a back-to-back national title. Um, But I mean, again, Gabe wasn't great, but that's a credit to Dewan Harris and Kansas. But other than like, take that away. Like Jaron was great. Gabe was good again. Um, Ward has given them incredible minutes. Trey King and Burt have looked good. Um, and Taman as well. So there's not really much I have, like, against these guys. I think Iowa State – and I, even Demarion Watson, I mean, he was okay versus Kansas, but had some really good minutes against Baylor defensively, um, him and Ward. So I think Iowa State really found kind of their nine guys, um, weirdly. Like, Watson and Ward are trending up while Shun and Jazz are, like, trending down. Um, but they definitely have the starting five right, and I think the mix of – the four that they're, they have coming off the bench is really good. And I think Iowa State's in a good position to make a run in March. Yeah, and I think going forward, you're going to see kind of a shift here because when you go into the NCAA tournament, guys like Jazz, guys like uh, Robert Jones, even Trey King for that matter, anybody who's experienced in an NCAA tournament kind of steps up in that role. So even though Jazz hasn't really done anything since January, to be honest, yeah he's the guy that's kind of kind of have to step up because you're not going to get this consistent performance out of Ward and Watson in the tournament. I don't think it's just kind of that thing where if you have, you've never felt that pressure before with this entire winter go home for the rest of the season type of thing. It's a little different of an atmosphere. And I would just like to give props to my guy, Robert Jones for going three for three from the line. Yeah. Matt. Matt, I mean, studs free throw shooter, and we all knew that. 
I think at the end of the games when we're up, we just need to put him out there. I, I mean, why not? I think it's a smart – I mean, other teams are going to look at the three free throw percentage on the season and be like, oh, yeah, this is the guy. But, you know, as of late, he's just absolutely stone cold. I mean, no, 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 he's, he's not cold, but he's he's really good. Yeah, 39% going on 90 at this point. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I think you tweeted it in the middle of the game, actually, and said, don't let Rob get hot. And He's getting he hot, man. 11 points, second leading score. Against Kansas? I mean, look out. He, he's coming. And if, if he braids his hair, oh, watch out. <laughs> oh, man. I tell you what, between that and the Conrad Hall rebound. Oh, man. Got me going. It definitely did. <laughs> um, but, yeah, obviously, um, you know, obviously it doesn't come away with it. But in a weird way, like, obviously I wanted to play for championship, but seeing what Texas did to Kansas, you're kind of sitting you're like, all right, whatever. Yeah, what's your opinion on Texas right now? Um, well, I do have them in my final four. As do I. So um, I, I think they're really good. I, it's weird because, I mean, you saw them dominate without Timmy Allen, which is like the big thing to me. And Marcus Carr really hasn't been playing that well. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's weird. I, I think they're really good, but in a weird way, they like semi scare me just because Carr's so, such a ball hog. And if he's not on and he takes way too many shots, they're going to be put in a bad spot. But I don't know. I, I think they're going to be fine. They're just so weird to me because, I mean, early on in the season, they gave up 116 points to Kansas State. Yeah. And then two months later, they held Kansas to 56. Yeah. It, it, it Between that, the coach situation, I think they treat Rodney Terry like dirt, to be honest. Every single interview the players give, it's just, oh, it's completely player-led. It doesn't really seem like there's a ton of respect there. Which is weird because that that was a house fire, and if somehow if he doesn't get the job wherever he goes, got an absolute steal, and Texas would be idiotic to not make him their head coach permanently. But whatever. I don't know how you don't give him the job at this point. I and honestly, they should have been a one over Purdue, but I would agree. Um, or honestly, even Houston for that matter. Yeah, I don't know. They're the whole Big Twelve kind of got screwed in the bracket yeah. i thought yeah and we'll be sure to talk about that in a bit so i guess that, that that can be a good segue um but we'll cover the men last we'll start with the women um so iowa state landed as a five seed um their number one is virginia tech their first round is against toledo um that's going to be at tennessee tennessee is their four seed so they're hosting their region um tennessee does play st louis now the big thing obviously is for the women, for those who don't know, the top four seeds in every region um, are the hosts for their uh, whatever. What, what do you want to call it? Your sub bracket, I guess. Yeah. Your, your four team pool. The four seed, the one, two, three, and fours are all hosts. It's at their school's um, place. Um, so I would say it fell just short of that. Um. It's weird. So to kind of give you a look at the other fours, it was Texas, Tennessee, um, Villanova, and UCLA. Um, so I don't really know um, who potentially bumps down, but I think the thing, and I know you can't like completely base it off of a crowd, but I think if you're 
you know, the selection selection committee for, you know, the women's game. In a way, you almost want to benefit Iowa State due to the fan base. And I know not completely, and I get Iowa State might not have a top 16 resume, but as of late, they're certainly playing like a top 16 team. But I, I just think when you're talking about uh, like ho- like hosting games at universities, Iowa State is one of one of the schools across the country whose fan base legitimately does care about the women's game, and you would have had a good crowd, which looks good on TV and helps out. And I know that's not – I don't know how much of a difference that makes to the committee, but in a weird way, I almost – if you're them, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, I think from what I've heard anyways, it matters more in women's basketball just because you host. It's not just, oh, you play at the neutral site that's closer to your university. You're actually hosting games, so you can have your, I think, season ticket holders get first access to that. So it's, I don't know, it's I don't think they deserve the four seed necessarily based on what they've done for the entirety of the year. They had yeah. a lot of really disappointing losses, but at the end of the year, I think they've been playing their best basketball, and I don't know if you can say that about teams like Tennessee and everything out here. So I don't know, it, I, it was disappointing that they didn't get it after beating three really good teams back-to-back-to-back nights. But at the end of the day, they're still in a pretty good position. I think they can still make a pretty good run. Sweet 16 is looking pretty good for them, as it is for the men. And at this time of the year, it's really, if you have the experience on the roster, which they definitely do, you're always bound to make a run, and it's just based on matchups. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. And just there's not going to really be teams who can stop Ashley Jones. It just kind of comes down to, um, you know, most times you're not going to hold the team to 51. If you're Iowa state's case, that's just not how they're built, um, you know, against like a game like today, like Texas. So um, Donarski struggled a little bit today, um, but you know, she's been proven to do good. I mean, she had a really good game in the semis and you heard Brandon talking about uh, do earlier. That's another girl that's really key in that in that cog. So you kind of have those three going, and it's really tough to stop Iowa State. They're just they can score so many different ways, and you saw it today. You saw it on um, whenever that was Saturday night against Oklahoma. Oklahoma. They can score from three, and that's I think their preferred way. But obviously, when a team like Oklahoma is out on you, they've scouted you at this point. They know what's coming. It's it's a hard choice to make, and at a certain point, they're kind of limited down low. So if you run into that with a team like Tennessee, you can be in trouble. But I do think ultimately Dew is the player that kind of holds the piece to this team to see how far they go, just because you don't have a ton from that five position scoring-wise. And she's somebody that can score from deep, but also is athletic enough to blow by people when you're playing an athletic team like Texas, Oklahoma, and in the future against Tennessee. Yeah, no doubt. Um, So I'll be curious to see um, how Iowa State fares. They play the 18th, which I believe is Friday. Yes. Saturday. Um, Uh, Hold on. I hope they don't play the same day as the men. Uh, Let me look. Hold on. Pardon me. I'm going to pull up a calendar here real quick, my friends. <sighs> 18th is Saturday, so they do play the day after the men. So that's good that the two don't collide. Yeah. Okay. So uh, 
I don't like how the women do the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It just kind of runs together, but they're they're interesting for me just because they have so many seniors that it feels like they need to leave on the right foot. I feel like they will. I, I'm going to bet they make a run pretty deep. Yeah, uh, so I'll quickly, again, as I mentioned uh, a little bit ago, the one is Virginia Tech. They played Chattanooga 16, obviously. You'd think they'd win that. <laughs> um, their 8-9 game is USC and uh, South Dakota State, so most likely you're going to see Virginia Tech. And on the other side of the bracket, the number two is UConn, which would be really interesting, and the three is Ohio State, who got walloped by Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. So if you're looking at, you know, the top two on the other side and you get past Virginia Tech, you know, Iowa State would play most likely a UConn or an Ohio State. Um, So, yeah, I think it'd be really interesting. Um, I think just kind of the last ride, it's, um, you know, not not necessarily obviously the last time that, you know, an Ashley Jones is going to be playing basketball. But, um, you know, just her last time at Iowa State, I'm kind of with you. I I feel kind of at at least in an Elite Eight. Yeah, for sure. I think every single year I fall into the same trap during conference championship week where I go in saying this doesn't really matter. Let's go get more rest. And then I look at it when brackets come out and you think, you know, only one team ends with a win on the season. So having that conference championship victory really sticks with you more than making a sweet 16 or round of 32. No, I I completely agree. I'm, I'm a, I'm I'm so with you on that. I mean, I think of, you know, you know, dating back to Hoiberg area era. I mean, I don't necessarily remember losing to UConn or beating North Carolina um, like or even like the UAB game. Like I, I remember, even though I'll like I'll focus on the UAB, the 2015 year more. Iowa State has one of its worst losses ever in terms of an NC, the worst loss ever, <laughs> really. And, um, but I, what, what am I going to remember though? I'm going to rem- remember coming back, what, down 17 against Texas in the quarters and Monte hitting a step back game winner coming back against Oklahoma and, and Ryan, Ryan Spangler misses the layup at the end. And then you come back, I think it was like against Kansas championship and you win and you get back to back big 12 titles. Like you, you remember the runs in Kansas city, right? I mean, 2016 or 2017 and 2019, you know, Monte's final year and the up and down year of, you know, Shayok and Halley and THT and Wigginton, like you just like I like I remember they're running Kansas City over losing to Ohio to to Ohio State. So I'm I'm so with you. I I think winning in Kansas City is what what uh, you're going to remember. No no doubt. Yeah, I, like I said, I always fall into that trap, and always after this week, you're kind of coming out of it, and like that last week was pretty special, even though they only won one game with the men, but. With the women, it's like they're probably not going to win the national championship. No. So having that in your back pocket, especially for the seniors, is a bigger deal than I think people make it out to be. Yeah. And, I mean, I think, um, you know, obviously if you guys haven't watched Chris Williams' interview with Ashley Jones on Iowa Everywhere, i definitely go ahead and do that. But, you know, he was talking to Ashley about, I think, you know, just kind of the goals of the season or what to accomplish and everything. And, you know, obviously she goes, oh, I want to I want to I want to win, a, I want to win a, a national title. And, you know, you, you just kind of have to say that, right? But obviously she brings – she brung up, you know, winning a Big 12 title. And I think at the end of the day, not to say, you know, 
you can't go on a Cinderella run and, you know, win a national title. But at the end of the day, it, it is, it is winning a big 12 title is it, it, it. That's I think in reality that that's kind of the goal. Yeah. And the people that were there for it and see the emotion while they're cutting down the nets and everything, that's what you're going to remember. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So hopefully the women can kind of go on one final run. Um, we'll see what they do. But again, they play Saturday against Toledo. Um, so be sure to go ahead and tune in on that. Um, Matt Campbell, you. Huh? Matt Campbell, you. Oh, yes. <laughs> Matt Campbell needs to fly to Tennessee to be in attendance. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, no, but um, we'll we'll go ahead and move on to the men's side. Um, Iowa State gets placed as a six, which I was kind of shocked by. Um, kind of makes me wonder if Iowa State doesn't beat Baylor, are, are, are they actually a seven? And was Jerry Palm right this entire time? <laughs> no, I – okay, so it came out there as the number one six seed. Okay. So I very much doubt they dropped four spots, which sure. also brings up an interesting conversation. If they were one seed higher, they would have been playing Drake in Albany. Yeah. So, and, and look, I, I'm – go ahead. I, I was just going to say the thing that I also kind of point out – um, you know, you're going to talk about that Drake. The five twelve is the most dangerous game. You kind of want like the higher seed, and it's weird that I would say didn't get a five, but the five twelve game is without a doubt the most dangerous game in terms of upsets in March Madness. And you even look at Xavier. I, I don't think anyone really had them as high as a three. I think they were pegged as a four. So in a weird way, you're playing a four five matchup, but avoid the twelve seed. So you can look at it however way you want, but. Yeah, I think, I mean, you look at the 12 seeds this year, and I think we've talked about it a little bit before. Yeah. Or I don't I, think there's a single one of these 12s that I'd rather play over an 11. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know for sure in my bracket I have two of them, and I debated heavenly, he, heavily on if I wanted to advance. Weirdly, Drake and Oral Roberts are not the two 12s I had winning. Agreed. Um, <laughs> I went, I took uh, Charleston and VCU, but I... Like in all honesty, if all four twelve ones, it it wouldn't completely shock me because it's an absurdly strong li- row of twelve seeds. I mean, seriously. Yeah, you need to convince me not to take Oral Roberts because I'm super high on I'm, them right now. But they got a brutal matchup. No, yeah, I I mean, I think we talked about this in an episode, and I was like, okay, Oral Roberts, I'm just penciling them in as my upset. I don't care who you're playing, and then they get the nine straight win Duke Blue Devils, and I'm like, oh god, I I don't know. I have and no idea what to do with them. A quick thing about my bracket. I'm going to, you just have to have some kind of run and I'm having Duke being my run. They're playing really good ball right now. And I have them in the final four. And I swear if I lose a final four team to Oral Roberts, when, when we've been talking about Oral Roberts the whole year, Oh, that's just going to drive me nuts. <laughs> okay. I'll say this right now. They're not making the final four, two years in a row, but Probably not, but I also don't trust Purdue enough to put them in the elite eight. So I was in a weird spot. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, my team, I think, is Charleston going forward. Marquette either, so. Yeah, Marquette's just weird to me. So, in, if, you, if you're having a tough time with, what is that, the East region? Yeah, I am too. I have no idea what I want to do there. I think the, the East is weird. I think the Midwest is probably the toughest. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think, like, the East is, I, I mean, I don't trust Purdue. I could see Memphis going on a run. I could see Duke or all or all Roberts doing something. I don't think Tennessee's good without Ziggler anymore. Indiana can definitely pull an upset. 
I think Kentucky can definitely beat K-State, and I think Kentucky can make a run. I don't really trust Marquette enough. So it's just a really weird region. And if anyone can, like, completely regress, like, completely get that region correctly, I'd be stunned. Are you taking Tennessee or Louisiana? I took Louisiana. Okay, me too. We're on the same page there. Listen, if you guys want the right picks, you you know who to listen to. <laughs> Not me. I'm historically terrible at these. Uh, yeah, but you you have to have some upsets. So I have two twelves and a thirteen. Um, but anyway, I, we're kind of getting carried away with the whole bracket. Let's let's get to Iowa State. Um, so again, as we mentioned, Iowa State is the six seed. They will await the winner of Mississippi State and Pitt. That game is being played on Tuesday night, which I thought was weird because considering the games on Friday, I would have expected it on Wednesday. So they get an extra day of rest, um, whoever that winner is, which kind of sucks if you're Iowa State, um, but it's really not a huge deal. Um, but, yeah, so be sure to tune into that game Tuesday night. That's obviously the winner of that game. They're the second game, I believe. Um, so Iowa State will play the winner of that. Um, I'm still not sure how I completely feel about this. Again, I'm glad that we're kind of off the 12 line, but I also wanted the five. So it's a really weird situation. Um, but I'm like really conflicted if, because the 12s are really bad, but how I feel about playing a power five team. And sometimes those play in teams kind of go on a run. I mean, the most recent one, UCLA um, in 2021. So I'm in a weird spot um, to kind of give you a quick basis on the two teams. Mississippi State is a very good defensive team, but not very good on offense. Pitt is very good on offense, not very good on defense. Pitt also has former Iowa State player Blake Hinson, who never played a game for the Cyclones. So I don't really know who I want to win. Um, I would say kind of Pitt, because I think when you're talking about an offensive heavy team, defense travels. So I'm going to trust that Iowa State's defense shows up and can lock down a Pitt. Um, But I I guess we'll see. I would agree with you. I think I want Pitt. I think both of these teams are frauds, to be honest with you. The ACC is garbage, and Mississippi State played nobody in the non-con. And then, shocker here, they fell in the SEC when they actually had to play Power 5 teams. So I love the draw, personally. I, I think preparing for Iowa State on two days rest is something you don't want to go against, with, especially with the no middle defense. That's really hard to prepare for. And I think that's why you've seen Iowa State go on runs in both November tournaments and in March in the past. It's just because they're so hard to prepare for. They're difficult style. But at the same time, we also have to put the ball in the basket, which is kind of an issue, especially without grill. I think that's something that could be showing up now more than it did in the Big 12 tournament. Yeah, and I think the one thing I'll point out, I mean, I remember talking to my dad during the the Kansas game, and it was kind of just like, all right, DeWan's going to lock Gabe. You kind of realize that by halftime but when you kind of even though grill didn't have a big game in uh against kansas uh, in in ames you were just kind of sitting here like okay who's gonna knock down a three because it's not gonna be jaron i mean it like it, it was but i'm like not like a, a catch and shoot that's gonna come off that's not their focus right and so you know Taman wasn't gonna hit it and obviously and then in terms of the other guards your only other one is eli and he's not going to play, nor really he should he. And Demarion's not really a three-point shooter. So you don't really have three-point shooters for the most part outside of Gabe and Jaron. And if Jazz isn't on, which he hasn't been for a while, you don't really have another option. So that's kind of where Gabe being able to have good games and shoot threes is really important. 
And that's not really a sense of him struggling. It's just a sense of hopefully you don't have a defender that can guard him as well enough to shut him down. And Dewan did that. Um, but yeah, I think the big thing is just Iowa State doesn't necessarily have that shooter now. The the second option. I feel like, and I'm not even going to act like I know anything about Mississippi State or Pitt too much. I just know about their conferences, and neither of them really impressed me that much, nor do their resumes that much. So that's pretty much what I'm basing this completely off of. But I would agree with that. I mean, Iowa State's offense is limited, but people forget they didn't exactly light the world on fire in either of their games last year in the NCAA tournament. They put up, what, 56 and 52 or something? Yeah, it was it was it was not a lot, and you had just two bailout performances, like two guys scoring nearly half a point. Tyrese having an LSU and mid range game going nuts against Wisconsin. So it's just kind of the the formula Iowa State at this point is having the big score, and then which is game most times, and then having the of Jaron, and then like a double digit performance from Trey, and that's or like Burt or Taman and. Yeah, I think, honestly, looking at this bracket, I would not be shocked to see Kennesaw State beat Xavier, to be honest with you. They're a really good team. Go Owls. Go, is that what they are, the Owls? Yes. It's an absolute travesty. They didn't play Temple then. Um, <laughs> but they could very easily win that game. Honestly, if you're looking at this from an Iowa State perspective, what I would say is it's either Sweet 16 or you're out first round. Yeah, yeah, I, I can get with you. I can get with you on that. I don't think Xavier is that good of a team, to be honest with you. I've watched a little bit of them. Obviously, they got Nunji. That's kind of their main guy. And even you can look back to last year. I was they played them in Brooklyn. I know Zay had 30 against them. But, you know, you can kind of look back and see that it's a similar team. They still have their big cog in Nunji. And that's, you know. He's got to be at least 35 years old. I swear. (laughs) That dude has been in college forever. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but no, I'm I'm completely with you. I I don't I don't I'm not really that scared of Xavier as the three or Xavier or whatever. Um, I think um, I believe they're the like worst rated three seed technically. Yeah. Um, and again, as I mentioned, this was a team that Lenardi and most people had as a four seed. So again, I would say avoids the twelve seed, but in reality, you're still playing a four or five game to get to the Sweet Sixteen if you get past that first round. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Brandon. Unless Iowa State just really, like, if Gabe and Jaron just don't have good against Xavier, I, I would be shocked to see Iowa State not get to Kansas – or, yes, not to get to Kansas City in the Sweet 16, which is another thing that is completely awesome that Iowa State did end up in the Midwest um, because the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight is in Kansas City. And could you guess how much fun that would be? I mean, don't – like, Texas is scary – but you're telling me you can get a four-hour trip for the Sweet 16 to Kansas City to play Texas, that atmosphere will be lethal. Yeah, well, it's a shame that Toothpaste is going to beat them first round. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I'm not picking that. Don't pick that. No, no, no. I'm no. saying Texas A&M for that 7-10. Who do you have for that? That was hard because Penn State really impressed me. Again, I didn't think Purdue was good, but they still impressed me. And, I again, I don't think the Big Ten is that strong. But, again, Penn State went on a run. But then, again, like A&M went 15-3 in SEC, and I would say that's like the second best conference, but then also lost big to Alabama. So, 
I took A&M, but that can go either way for me. I think A&M is super dangerous. I think they can probably beat Texas, to be honest with you. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I could see it. I think Texas, people are, they're a trendy Final Four pick. And I get that because I also have them in my Final Four because they have all the talent in the world. Yeah. But they have a uh, sneaky rough path. If they, I mean, Colgate, look, I watched them last year in Milwaukee. They can shoot. I think they're the top three-point shooting team in the country. And you know how that goes in March? Yeah. If you get hot, it, look out because any yeah. team can beat any team at this point. Texas A&M, they're super athletic. If Penn State wins, who knows what Pickett can do. He can be kind of a John Morant and just go off randomly. And then you're looking at a Xavier Iowa State in the Sweet 16. And if you're playing Iowa State, I mean, you do know Iowa State, and that would kind of suck that, you know, Iowa State has to play another Big 12 team. But in a weird – like, you're kind of in, 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 in Iowa State's back door. Yeah, I think the Midwest is fascinating. You get all three Iowa teams in there. And Houston's very beatable, so I think the Midwest is honestly wide open. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we'll kind of quickly talk about the top of that Midwest because it's just relevant for multiple reasons. Obviously, as Brandon just mentioned, Drake being the 12 could certainly beat Miami. Um, Iowa as the 8 versus Auburn. Um, I think Iowa can definitely win. I just – I. I'm not, I like was really debating because as Brandon noted, um, when someone, when the team's hot in March, it's just, it's hard to stop a team that's shooting well. And Iowa is so hit or miss. They're either going to shoot the lights out or they're going to drop an absolute egg. So it, it's just, they're hard to predict, but knowing how they've been in recent years, I took Auburn just because Iowa sucks in March. Yeah. And it's in Auburn's back door. It's in Birmingham. I don't know how yeah. they pulled that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> It's I was got to honestly, if they can get past round one, then they get Houston. Houston's probably the worst one seed. I mean, yeah. Sasser was out today, so who knows what his status is. If he's not playing, they're not he's, that great of a team. Not that good if Sasser's not there. No, I, I, I agree. And for Drake, I think they got a brutal matchup, to be honest with you. Miami and their quick guards. We yeah. saw it last year. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think Indiana is that strong. I think the winner of Drake Miami is probably going to go to the Sweet 16, in my opinion. But yeah, Indiana just doesn't have the guards. I don't think they have Trace Jackson Davis down low. But other than that, I mean, they haven't found the shooters yet to be consistent. I was debating taking Kent State, to be honest. They are also uh, an interesting team. I was listening to the bracketology um, after Selection Sunday, and I think they talked about. I think they said it was a close game that they played Houston and Gonzaga. I want to say like both, like within single digits. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, they're they're definitely a trendy. I, I think there's again. I think both twelve and thirteen are are interesting. Um, in this Midwest, um, there's overall this entire term. I think there's a tons of, of these. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Iowa State does. Um, in my bracket, I do have them in the Sweet 16. Um, I had them losing to Texas, but that's just because we know Texas and we know what kind of animal they are. But Iowa State can certainly win that. You're going to have a home court advantage if you get there. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. Um, I think the big thing, again, to wrap it up, or just to kind of bring you back to where we were because we've been ram rambling on for a little bit, we both prefer Pitt. Reason being, they are stronger offense and not very good on defense. 
and they're not Baylor whatsoever, but I want to compare that to Baylor where Baylor was the strongest offensive team in the Big 12, but the worst defensive team. Pittsburgh is a solid offensive team, but they are not a good defensive team whatsoever. And when you pair a bad defense against Iowa State, like Jaron and Gabe will do well. And if you don't know how to – if you don't scout Taman the right way, if you're in his face, he's going to kill you. So, if you – like, I think Iowa State against teams who don't play defense – I think Iowa State's best kind of matchups, in my opinion, are the teams who are good on offense and don't play good defense because that is just complete pro advantage for Iowa State in many ways. I think they're going to get some stops no matter what, whether you're a good team or not. Yeah. I mean, even the Kansas game, what did they hold them to? I can't remember what, 70-something. but Yeah. But, again, so, that was yeah. up at the end. And the amount of turnovers that made Kansas's life easy, I mean. Yeah, but, and Kansas is a really good team. I don't think you're going to see that. They don't have Jalen Wilson to go and make a bunch of contested step-back threes. Yeah, no, I agree. So I, I do think it's Sweet 16 or bust for Iowa State. Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about this for a while now. Iowa State, um, they they are a they have the they have sick second weekend potential without a doubt. Um, so I, I think the the last thing I'll kind of say, and we've kind of been talking about this, and we don't really need to worry about this because this is a next season thing. But you know, TJ has gotten he could potentially get two rosters to the Sweet 16, which talent wise probably shouldn't get to the Sweet 16. Um, and Probably if shouldn't talking, be in the tournament. No, yeah, no, I, I agree. And so if you're talking about TJ getting two teams in Sweet 16 when they were probably NIT teams, if that, and when talking about the 2022 team, um, watch out for the next couple of years when he gets Milan and he gets Omaha and he gets Jelani and he gets JT and the industry kid. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my. Noyous Indusitis. Yeah, that guy. And then the guy from New York, like, when you're talking about the talent that's coming, if no matter if Iowa State loses to Texas and we lose to Tyrese, and I don't care, like that could be the most sour, bitter taste of ever losing to him in the Sweet 16. But like, if TJ can get two squads to the Sweet 16, oh boy, because the the talent's coming, and I would just say watch out. And that that's 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 what I that's all I got. Yep. Final thoughts for me. Um, go Colgate. Yes. And then smile big. I really hope West Virginia beats Alabama for multiple reasons. Yes, go Nears, go Bobby. Oh, last thing. Okie State got screwed. So did Kansas in terms of they should have been the one in the Midwest. but Kansas really did. I agree with that. Um, but, yeah, the fact that Okie State, honestly, over Arizona State or Nevada, I just think it's kind of lame. But And, again, and last thing. Sorry, we're going to keep stretching this. I, I think it was weird to see Iowa State and TCU both get sixes. Again, I, I'm, I'm, I like that both teams are off the five line in terms of avoiding the 12s. But it's weird because it almost feels like the Big 12 got disrespected, and it's the whole time we're talking about how they valued the strength of schedule and teams playing in the Big 12. I mean, you're talking about Iowa State, who had more top 25 and top 10 wins than anyone in the country. And – they didn't seem to value that or the fact that they played in the big 12. And I, I, I don't know. I think it was, it was weird because I thought K state and I thought K state got a tad overvalued. I think they're more of a four line for me personally, but it, it was weird. I, I don't know. It, it was weird to kind of see Iowa state and TCU kind of get bumped down and they kind of skip out on, on a uh, Okie state. I think Okie state would win a playing game and, 
depending on what six they would have gotten matched up on, I think they definitely could have won first game. So I don't know. I completely agree about Okie State. I think I was listening to it, and the guy who they interviewed from the selection committee, which, by the way, he has quite possibly the worst job ever, just getting roasted on national TV on why they didn't choose this team over the other team. Yeah. But nonetheless, he brought up, you know, they're 6-12 and 12 in quad one games, and that's the whole point why they should be in, because they don't have any bad losses. They've only lost to Kansas, Texas, Baylor, K-State. I mean, they they swept who you have someone as a six seed. I, Correct. I'm just saying, like. So for Oklahoma State, I mean, honestly, they've like you said, they beat Iowa State twice. They had good wins the whole season. I mean, they're pretty consistent. They have the guards to do it. I think they're missing a little bit scoring, but they're a top ten defense, and that's going to translate over to the tournament pretty well. Yeah. No, I I completely agree, but. I don't know. It sucks that Iowa State or not not Iowa State. Uh, it sucks that the Big Twelve couldn't get twelve teams or twelve. Geez, couldn't get eight teams in. <laughs> um, but I mean, overall, it's still a really good showing to get seventy percent of your conference. Um, I think I was, I think the Big Twelve had six last year. So again, best league in the country. I think you should have valued that and put Okie State in over in Arizona State, Nevada, Mississippi State, or Pitt. I I mean. I don't know. I think there should have been a. I it felt like, like kind of leading up to Selection Sunday, we had a lot of talk of the value that it seemed that the committee had toward the Big Twelve. I mean, you talk about when they released their first, their their top uh, sixteen seeds the week weekend. Iowa State played Kansas State. I mean, Iowa State. I think what the Big Twelve had five of the top twelve. Was that what it was or? top no it was like five of the top yeah five of the top 12 right i think it was five of the top 16 something wrong there i don't remember exactly I, what it was yeah but i mean overall like you like we kind of looked like early on the committee loved the big 12 and reasonably you should and they respected it and then it's just kind of we get here and you bumped iowa state and tcu down to sixes you didn't include okie state i just think it's a missed opportunity because i think even a texas tech or a uh, Oklahoma um, also would have been able to do better than some of these teams that got in. Now, I'm not saying that they should have gotten in because the resume, but they just kind of got screwed because they weren't as good as, as some of the teams in the Big 12, right? But when you talk about teams that made it in as at-larges at the end, I think almost any Big 12 team could win first round in terms of as an 11 or 10, 9, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of Big 12 teams have the potential to make the Sweet 16. I don't see a team that can win the national championship, but there's a lot of guy. There's a lot of teams in this conference that can make a deep run in the lead eight and Final Four. And you even look forward to the future. I mean, you got Houston coming in. You look at Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, they're likely to be coming here in the near future. I would say. So it's yeah. only going to get stronger, plus Gonzaga, that whole thing can still happen. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> the Big 12 is going to be the SEC of basketball for probably a long time. Yeah, I agree. Who's your national champion, by the way? I do have Kansas. Oh, gosh. So it it, it was hard. I was debating between them and Alabama. But... I'm just I'm sticking with 
the best conference in college basketball. There's nobody more battle tested than the Big 12. And like when you look at Kansas's path, you know, an Arkansas or Illinois, they'll get past them. I think a UConn, they can get past them. Um, it was tough for me to decide between if they could beat Gonzaga. I had Gonzaga beating UCLA. Um, so that was a tough one for me, but I wasn't really scared. Actually, I had them versus Texas, and you're not beating Kansas three times. Um, it, plus, they would have Bill Self in a Final Four, and you're talking about experience in March Madness and at a Final Four. That's the Kansas Jayhawks. So it kind of came between them and Alabama, and I just went Kansas because I, I, I just – I just – it was more of a – I was sticking to the Big 12, even though, like, I didn't trust Baylor enough to beat Creighton, and I have, like, K-State losing to Kentucky. So, weird that I'm, like, using that narrative, but then I also don't didn't completely play it out. But um, I, I don't know. I, I've picked the last two national champions right, and I had Tech winning it the year that they lost the national title. So, I'm just going to say I haven't been terrible in that part of the bracket recently. Yeah, I definitely can't um, insult you too much because my brackets have been terrible for years now. <laughs> but uh, those are risky picks. Alabama's got a lot going on, and Kansas is injured and not deep at all. But uh, what do I know? I've gotten last in my pool for years and years now. I think I had Ohio State winning the national championship the year they lost to Oral Roberts. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about <laughs> it's just funny because, but I, I completely experience this too because I, I don't do it all the time. But the last couple of years, I've done like bowl game picks, and I just suck in those. Um, but you're talking about the football junkie over here sucks at bowl game picks, and you got Brandon, the huge basketball junkie, sucking at March Madness brackets. Just weird how it works. It really is. I think I read something last year that um, if you went into your bracket and picked whoever had the deepest shade of blue, you would have gotten higher than 60% of the population. And that is interesting because um, – I was in a bracket last year that had that was with my girlfriend and some of her friends and a bunch of them kind of went colors. And I think multiple of had like North Carolina in the championship or final four Duke and Kansas all there, like just completely loaded. I'm like, what? It makes no, I, th- I seriously think the more you watch, the worse your bracket is. <laughs> Probably you just kind of overthink it. And it's, and it's funny too. Cause one of the now uh, analysts today, on Selection Sunday was picking literally every single upset. I'm like, yeah, okay, these are possibilities to be upsets, but you can't pick every single one. I mean, he had, like, I think Furman and Charleston winning. He had Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara beating Baylor. He had Oral Roberts, Louisiana. Um, I want to say he talked about Kent State and VCU and – um, Drake, like just every single one that's like a possibility to happen. I'm like, okay, they're not all going to happen. I respect you for like picking all of them, I guess. But you know, we all know not all of them are happening. Yeah, you look at the past couple of years and it's really just been one that makes a deep run. You look at Oral Roberts back in 2021 and then St. Peter's made the Elite Eight last year. Yeah, and then dating back you in, what was it? Uh, nine, was it? I don't know how long ago Loyola was, 18 maybe? 18, I think. Yeah. But... Before Michigan beat them? Yeah. <laughs> you hate Sister Jean. It's You heard it here first, guys. Yeah, okay, Sister Jean. I don't know what's going on with her, but Loyola went like 10 and 23 this year or something. Hey, I think I saw a video. She gave her blessing to to Kentucky. So Kentucky goes on a run. You know why. 
Oh man. Okay, I'm changing my bracket right now. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, but yeah, you guys, I think that's all we've got. Um, kind of talked a lot about the overall bracket. So hopefully it wasn't you guys kind of got the information needed on Iowa State. Um, but a quick thing, since we are talking about the overall bracket, um, me and Brandon did decide to make a ESPN tournament challenge um, bracket or just like a league, whatever it's called. I don't know the specifics of what they call it, but or just I put out on Twitter uh, a tweet that has the link to join. Um, I think we're going to try to maybe give I think we said like twelve dollars in honor of Robert Jones for the winner, uh, just like a little something. Uh, for the winner, but just all for fun. And if you guys can post that, share with your friends, not only, um, I think that's, that's cool for us to kind of establish a community in terms of side of storm, but that also helps us reach the podcast out when you guys send out the bracket challenge. So that's over on our Twitter, which is at side of the storm. I'm also going to put the link down in the description below um, of the podcast. So you can either go find the tweet on Twitter or look down below and it should work. Um, if it doesn't work in the description, like I said, you have the thing on Twitter. So go ahead, make sure you guys all join that if you want. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, nothing else I have. We kind of went over final thoughts, but again, I'll turn it over real quick to Brandon before I go ahead and officially close it. It's probably the best sports week of the year coming up. So I'd say okay. enjoy it. Whether or not Iowa state wins, don't let it ruin your weekend too much. Um, I don't know. It's, it's always super fun just to watch these games, and I will say I'm glad Iowa State plays on Friday because all of the big upsets seems to happen on Thursday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree, and even if Iowa State does lose first weekend, there is an absurd difference, and, like, watching March Madness team makes the field and doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. I think you witnessed that the latter years of the prom era. It's just a completely different story. Yeah. Um, but with that, you guys, we are going to end it. Um, pretty long episode, but I hope you guys were able to en- enjoy it. Um, hopefully the sound was okay. Um, our next episode will be after the round of 32, regardless if Iowa State makes it there. If they win it, we'll probably have the episode out on Monday regardless to kind of recap whatever happened in that first weekend. Um, and we will be back in person for that, so hopefully that that's better. But um, like I said, that's going to go ahead and end it off. Be sure to check the tournament challenge. Check us out on Twitter. Um, And, yeah, you guys, until next time, roll clones, baby.